VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Our teens need more support and encouragement than ever before. We need to show them that there are so many accomplishments in their lives that are just waiting to be discovered. This is the Dr. Stem Show with Dr. Stem Malatini. We want teens today to feel valued in their schools, homes, and in the community. The Dr. Stem Show will give the voiceless a voice and the hopeless hope. Now, here is Dr. Stem. Good afternoon, good evening, because I know in the UK it's evening over there. Good morning if you're in Australia listening to us this afternoon. Welcome to another segment of the Dr. Stem Show. One of the things that we strive or aspire to do is to be able to assist our teenagers and as I say in my commercials and what this show is about, there are a lot of things that teenagers are going through and today we're going to talk hopefully we'll get to the second part but we're going to be talking about depression prevention. The episode titled today is Depression Prevention What If There Was a Depression Vaccine? We have a guest, special guest with us who I call an expert after having read all the information and studies that she has done. Rini Jane, please correct me if I say it right. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Stem. No, that was perfect. Just like my mother would say it, actually. So <laughs> definitely perfect. You know, when they, when they say it Rini, it's like, okay, mom, what did I do? You're saying it slowly. <laughs> Slowly, and you say your full name, you know you're in trouble. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So just a little bit, uh, the episode today, we decided that it will be about, you know, the depression vaccine and uh, a little bit of explanation of the episode. Children are given a series of vaccines over the first few years of their lives to prevent disease. In fact, most schools will not admit children if they have not taken these preemptive measures to protect their physical health. That is mostly here in the United States and and probably in the UK, that is the requirement that your child has to be vaccinated before they are enrolled in school. But what about mental health? What if there was a way to protect our youth against mental disease and disorder? Would you, as a parent that's listening out there today, or as a teenager, would you give your child a depression vaccine Believe it or not, an inoculation as such does exist. This is the first time even me, for me as a psychotherapist that I'm going to be hearing from Rene telling us that, you know, more about this inoculation that already exists by teaching our youth social and emotional learning skills as early as middle school. We can actually boost their resilience and begin to mitigate childhood depression, anxiety, and even suicide. The era of reacting to trouble during the teen years is gone. The time for prevention 
intervention is now. It has come, so it is now, and that is why we take pride during the Dr. Stem show to come out with new ways and new studies of having to combat, you know, things like depression and anxiety. So, Renee, I will give you an opportunity because you have a very interesting biography for you to tell us a little bit about your background as well as your biography. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Dr. Stem. Yes, so I have a very nonlinear background. You know, I started my career in finance, actually. So God knows how, yeah, how did I end up from there into life coaching and counseling and helping others with their lives? Well, it's probably because I worked in finance that I saw so many people who were depressed and anxious and stressed out that I was like, hmm. Um, I, and it really is true, actually. So I have uh, been in my own businesses uh, for the last two decades or so. And most of the time as an entrepreneur, what I found is, is that the best businesses are run when you have people who are happy, you know, and have, and have great well-being. And so, uh, I was drawn to counsel people at different places that I worked and I realized, you know what, my life path is actually, is actually helping other people. And that's sort of how I got to where I am. Um, a lot of it had, I had pulled in a lot of personal experience from my childhood and started working with adults. And then I realized, you know what, um, as I'm working with adults, uh, a lot of problems that get brought up in coaching sessions has to do with childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, my own, you know, my own problems in life, I can, you know, look back at my childhood and say, you know what, I remember this happening, I remember that happening, and Dr. Stem, I'm sure we all have experiences, I'm sure yes. yourself as well, right, yes. that you remember. Yes. Uh, yes. And so I started getting very interested in our ability to work with children, you know, and yes. of course this type of uh, counseling and coaching already exists. And as I got deep into working with kids, uh, I started realizing that the kids that I was working with were already troubled, you know, so which makes sense, right? So they were, um, you know, we have uh, this rule or this saying, if it's not fixed, if it's not broken, don't broken, fix it. Don't fix right. it. If it's not broken, don't <laughs> fix it, right? Yes, so when yes. it is broken, like you think something is wrong, you go to the doctor. So I was working with, as a coach, I was working with a lot of kids. And, and I thought to myself, you know, this is funny because when kids come to a coaching session or a therapy session, a lot of times, um, you know, in my field, it's talk therapy, right? So you arm them with social and emotional learning skills. You, in cognitive and behavioral therapy, you teach them some foundational skills. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I started thinking, hey, you know, what if, (laughs) this is a crazy question, we start teaching these skills to kids before they actually need it, right? What if we taught them as early as, you know, as you said, middle school, but even elementary school, things that you would learn in therapy? So... It turns out that I wasn't the only person thinking this, that there have been programs that have been rolled out in schools for decades, actually, that teach social and emotional learning skills to kids, to little kids. Mm -hmm. And when you do this, it can actually prevent anxiety and depression. So, So that's sort of how I got to where I am and what I do. 
So the programs that you mentioned that are already in the schools, are these mandatory for every kid to go through the social-emotional skills class or they're only offered to certain people? Do you know? It's such a good question. So they are built, most of the programs are built to be universal programs. So they're built for people who are, you know, again, mentally what we consider stable and healthy. And and if you think about it, um, this is actually not an abstract concept. Healthy people exercise, you know, fit people take vitamins Mm -hmm. and people, healthy couples go to premarital counseling. So this idea of prevention actually exists. And so these programs that are rolled out in schools are actually universal programs. They're for everyone. That's interesting because, you know, I mean, my, I have a second office in the schools and I have not, you know, probably heard about them. That's why I was wondering if there is this special social skills class that all these students have to take or maybe it's incorporated into um, certain classes that they take. But that's right. interesting. Right. So I think, you know, where we're at at this time is – uh, there's this sort of undercurrent, the calm before the storm, yes. I would say, where this stuff and these type of programs are starting to gain traction. And yes. actually, just last week, there was uh-huh. a congressman from Ohio, Tim Ryan, who introduced the Academic and Social and Emotional Learning Act uh, into Congress. And so they are looking to get this on a, on a wider scale. And I'm sure, again, Dr. Stem, in your work, you've probably heard that there are some schools teaching mindfulness. There are some schools yes. teaching meditation, right? Yes. So it's starting to gain traction. You know, yes. it's still in a lot of places looked at, you know, the people sort of cock their head and say, listen, uh, you know, school is for math and science. School's not for meditation and emotional skills. That's what home is for. Um, but, but, you know, because they are putting these programs through rigorous scientific testing, and people can come back and say, yeah, well, you know what, that's true. Math and science is important, but mm-hmm. if your children have social and emotional learning skills, our test, our research shows that they'll actually do better in math and science. They'll actually do better on standardized tests. So it's, it's very exciting. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Let me remind all of you that are listening in that we do have Rini Jane in the house today with us. Um, and she is actually known as the pioneer and innovator in her field of study and work, which is equipping kids with skills of well-being. That's why she's so well-versed and be, you know, able to explain to us what's available out there, how people can access them right in your school, right in your neighborhood. So that's exciting to know that. Um, I read in some of her works that she has done, she has done some studies, and guess what? If you're one of those parents that are saying, well, I don't need to listen to depression and anxiety information today because my child doesn't struggle, you know, struggle with that. She actually has it on her website that one in five children will struggle with depression before the age 18, setting them up for a lifetime of unnecessary struggle, and I agree with that. So is there any, um, before we we take a break. If a parent out there is saying, well, it says one in five, how do I know if my child is depressed? Do you have any input that you can give them some signs, symptoms that they can look out for, Rini? Yes. You know, I mean, if your child is being reclusive, um, if they are showing uh, apathy when it comes to social activities, when it comes to school activities, if there are sort of radical changes in behavior. But, you know, one big sign, as you know, Dr. Stem could be yes. disinterest. 
um, just disinterest in things. And now, see, this is this is such a good question because we want to know. Well, how do I know if my child is depressed? Yes. And how could the statistic be one in five children by the age of 18 are depressed? Well, that's the problem. A lot of times we don't know, you know, and a lot of times we think, well, what they're going through is a phase. And it's something that all kids have to go through. I want to throw them into the deep end because I want them to learn about life. Yes. Um, well, sometimes that's what it is. It is about life. Uh, and unfortunately, at other times it becomes habits, negative thinking habits, negative behavioral habits that turn into depression. That's very helpful. And you know what? Just in addition to that, I also noticed that a lot of attitudes that, um, you know, teenagers start to develop. And sometimes you, you, you as a parent can tell that, you know, this is not an, a normal, ordinary attitude that my teenager is exhibiting in the house. You know, when you talk to them and they get angry quickly and they snap at you and they snap at other people, those two could be signs of, um, you know, depression in, in addition to what Rini just added on to, um, you know, as some of the symptoms that you might want to look out for. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and it's difficult as a parent because um, you might not have, think to feel that you have a trained eye, but I think that one thing is super important is that parents are extremely intuitive. They know, you know, it, it, don't uh, distrust your gut. Uh, I, I think that's very, very important uh, when it comes to these kind of things. So would we say, you know, based on your research and everything, that it's actually because, you know, a lot of parents, even the students themselves, the youth, once you talk about depression, there's that wall that goes up, I'm not depressed, my child is not depressed. Could we term it that it's actually a norm that could happen to a child that parents, you know, could keep an open mind and heart to say, you know what, my child could actually be depressed and might need some of this um, help. Yeah, you know happens. what, and I, I think that's, again, Dr. Sam, I think it's a great question because yes. there is a stigma associated with saying, hey, my child might be depressed. Nobody yes. wants to think that or, you know, and some people who are okay with admitting it, you know, but there's, again, there's stigma associated with it, not only for the parents, but a lot of times for the kids. They don't want to say, hey, I'm different, you know, why do I have to go to therapy? So one thing, because we are creating universal programs now. Yes, yes. One thing I think that all parents are okay with and understand and kids are okay with is, listen, everybody is going to go through a challenge in their life, right? Yes. I don't know one person who's not gone through a challenge. And those challenges come very early in life, whether that be friendships on the playground or tests in school or what have you. And all of us can learn resilience skills. Yes. So I think instead of you know, talking about it as our, our kids are getting depressed and we're going to send them a therapy for depression. Let's talk about how we can arm them with resilience skills, teach them coping skills, and also teach them happiness skills. Yes. I, and I know yes. that sounds funny, but happiness is actually a skill. That can be taught. That can be taught and that can <laughs> be practiced. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Rene? Let's take a quick break. When we come back on break, I know you talk about a progress paradox that exists in our youth, so that when we come back, you can explain a little bit what that paradox is. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
Have you ever felt that it's time to get out of the box? Why are you putting that project off? It's already there in your mind. What are you going to do today to change your life tomorrow? Listen for Live Your Life with Melissa Brown. Get ready to expand the capacity of your heart and mind. Move yourself beyond the mundane and get prepared to do what you've been called to do. There is no time like the present, and the whole world is waiting for you. Tune in Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We let so many outside factors mold and shape our lives. Technology, instant delivery. We live in an on-demand world. What's happened to the compassion, the kindness, a better pace? Listen to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. We'll bring that kindness and compassion back to our world. Our guests come from around the world and we'll discuss what's being done and what we can do to bring our lives back to order. Might Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmolatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. If you're just joining us this week, we are talking about depression prevention. And the question is, what if there was a depression vaccine? Would you let your children take that vaccine before they enrolled in school? We explained in the first segment that medically, most schools will not admit your child until they have had some preventative, um, you know, um, medical attention. So now we're talking about mental health diseases and disorders that what if we had depression vaccines, would you take it? That is why we have our expert in this uh, field, Rini Jane, who's with us in the house today. Before we went on break, Rini, I had asked if you could please explain the paradox that exists in our youth um, as far as this depression is concerned. You know, Dr. Sam, I'm actually a new parent myself, so I have a three-month-old. I want to Congratulations. You know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And the reason that I bring it up is that when uh, you become a new parent, you all of a sudden meet lots of other new parents, <laughs> lots of parents around, and um, you realize that people are, you know, you knew this before, incredibly giving, compassionate, loving people. And it, you realize that when you have your own child, you would do anything for this being, you know, anything, instantly. It's, it's this instant love, you would do anything for them. And so I bring this up because, you know, in a lot of Western countries, we have things that we have seen that are, have gotten better, right? Yes. And so some of these things are, you know, we live in bigger homes, um, we have better health care, we have more purchasing power, uh, we're, we're living longer lives, and we work towards some of these things because we want our children to have the best. You know, we really want them to embrace a better life 
than we had. And I think every generation feels like that, right? Yes, yes. So yes. the paradox really comes in, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm going to use statistics just from the U.S., um, but okay. I think, again, in a lot of Western countries. So in the last 50 years, you know, bigger homes, better health care, longer lives, more purchasing power. In that same time, our mental health has really deteriorated. So there's record violent crime, you know, in the last 50 years. It's yes. increased five times. Uh, divorce rates have quadrupled, and in teens, anxiety, depression, and teen suicide has skyrocketed. So, you know, there's five to eight times as many high school kids now meeting the criteria for major depression and or anxiety as was true 50 years ago. So here's the paradox. Things are getting better. We're trying to get all these things better, and people as a whole and our kids seem to be getting worse. You know, so what is that about? Yes, yes. Now, I'm assuming that because that would be the question that our audience are asking. Is there a yeah. way to combat, you know, that depression, whether it's depression, anxiety, the difference between getting better socially, you know, um, and having bigger houses, but then mentally people are getting worse? Right. So, you know, what? Yeah. Of course, the $64 million question is, okay, so what's the problem and how do we fix it? Right? Exactly. <laughs> okay, exactly. now you're presenting a problem. Please don't leave us hanging. Right, yes. so I, you know, I'm not going to come on your show and say, okay, this is the solution to everything. <laughs> but I am going to say, you know, we do know a few things. One thing that we know is that there is a very, very strong correlation between what you feel that you can control in your life or perceive to control and your happiness, your well-being, right? So if we think about it, from the time our children are very young, from the way that they dress to the school that they go to, to their friends, to what's going on in the world with all the unpredictable shocks that are happening and mammoth disasters, a lot of times kids don't feel a great deal of control in their own hands, in their lives. And that um, can lead to a lack of well-being, right? So in teaching kids, one, coping skills, the resilience skills, and two, some of these skills to make them happier, you know, ways to look at situations realistically but optimistically, let's say, how to set goals, for instance, you know, uh, how to interact in social situations when it might not be the most comfortable thing. We give them back some control that they may not have felt and, and teaching them about their emotions, what's going on inside of them. So I think, you know, that that could be sort of part of the issue is the, some of this control. So putting control back in their hands by giving them these skills. And then, you know, this is, you know, one other thing. Um, and again, this is, this is a theory. So this isn't, uh, you know, based on a study necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that we've really, really been focused on disease. You know, so yeah. post-World War II especially, right? So a lot of soldiers came back with post-traumatic stress disorder and a lot of money was thrown in to say, listen, let's figure out what's, what's wrong with everyone. And we've had a lot of progress in disease, right? So we've had a lot of progress in, in uh, naming diseases and disorders and coming up with treatments. But the thing is, is uh, a, a very important mentor once said to me that the absence of illness is not wellness. The absence of disease is not well-being. You know, and so I think that somehow we have forgotten that it's important to teach our kids how to find fulfillment and engagement in their life, aside from just fixing what's wrong with them. 
I'm going to ask you to repeat what that colleague friend of yours said because that was awesome. The absence the absence of illness is not wellness. And that mm. is uh, I think a crux of what we're going through here. Yes. So just because something is not wrong doesn't mean lots of things are right. And that if was. we just get rid of Lots of, think about getting rid of all the bad stuff, you know. For, so if you have a child that is, thinks negatively, let's say, and we get rid of the negative thinking, and let's say that they have some other bad habits, we get rid of all the bad habits. I'm yes. telling you it's going to take them from a minus 10 to a zero. Yes. If you want to take, if we want to take our children from a zero to plus 10, there are a whole separate set of skills in well-being that we need to arm them with. And that's sort of the crux of what we do at GoZen and GoStrengths in our programs. Excellent. And we will be discussing those programs in detail as we go through with the show. But one of the things that I also wanted to emphasize is I, I'm a very systemic person that, sure. you know, when I work with a client, I work with the system because I think they, they are simple things like just having a peaceful home where these kids are coming into the house and it's actually quiet and peaceful and the parents are not screaming and yelling and, you know, things are not being thrown around between, you know, mom or dad getting angry and upset because of what happened at work or because of what's happening in their relationship, you know, with each other as adults. And these kids are growing up in such an environment that even coming home itself, whether I've had a good day at school, everything is triggered once you walk in the home because things are not peaceful and quiet. So I just wanted to add that in there to say, you know, in addition, I think if people just seek joy, peace, that happiness will automatically be easier. It's not easy, but I think it will be easier to work through and learn some of those skills. I think that's such an important point. And I think even in those 10 minutes, you know, you get home, if you could set aside 10 to 20 minutes of quiet, quality time, just every day, make it a habit that could change the trajectory of a child's life. It absolutely could because it sets the tone then for the rest of the day and, you know, the the rest of what they have to do. I think that's such an important point, Dr. Stem. You're right, because a lot of kids don't even want to go home. They they want to stay at, at school because it's so much chaos at home, as they call it. So I yeah. think that's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's their, you know, we all look for sanctuary. And school's not easy. You know, we forget when we get far, further and further away from it. We're like, oh, school, it's not work. It's so easy. It's not easy. You know, there's a lot being thrown at our kids during the day, and they do need that sort of downtime and that security and that sanctuary to come home to. Yes. I know you have a lot of programs. You know, before we go on break, could you just give the people your website as well as your contact information and we'll be going through and discussing some of those programs when we come back. You got it. So I'm going to give you um, reenijane.com where you'll find all my programs. It's Reenie, R-E-N-E-E, Jane, J-A-I-N.com. And, you know, the two main programs that we're talking about today are, are Go Strengths and Go Zen. 
And in addition to that, let me let the people know as well that Rini is not only the expert, as we said, in leading childhood resilience and happiness. She's also an author. She's a speaker and a certified life coach, as she said, a gifted life coach. Um, she has coached over 5,000 clients in the science of resilience. So when you hear that, I know for me that guarantees me some form of change in my life if I were to seek her as a coach. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So when we come back, uh, we're going to continue talking about the depression prevention. What if there was a depression vaccine? Would you give your children or allow your children to be vaccinated with an anti-depression uh, prevention? We will be right back. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Tune in every week for the Wellness Lounge, a step further, with host Desiree Watson. Our program empowers you to incorporate a wellness lifestyle into your life, supported by a diverse selection of guests, including physicians, athletes, and education and government professionals while helping you realize the connection between mind, body, and spirit. You'll achieve a personal edge in injury avoidance, stress management, and personal development. The Wellness Lounge, a step further, airs Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. What if you were willing to be controversial, choosing kindness instead of judgment, willing to stand out from the crowd, being a leader in creating a new reality, even if others don't follow? You can make a difference. Start by tuning in to The Value of Controversy. Each week, our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness. Listen for The Value of Controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. Rene, before we went on break, I know you talked about what if we teach our children the skills that they need before they have to fight with the depression. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, helping them with their social and emotional skills will really help. What else do these social and emotional skills help with? You know, before I answer that question, Dr. Stem, I just want to tell you just a tiny bit of background. So I come from two Indian immigrant parents, and I grew up in the States, but um, because they came here, you know, to give us a better life, and it was very difficult for them to get here, they were extremely, extremely academically focused. 
So I understand um, the pressure that parents are under, the pressure that teachers are under, and the pressure, you know, most significantly that kids, the teens are under to get good grades, you know, and to do well in school. So I don't say this uh, lightheartedly. Um, I, I say it based on my own experience, um, both personally and professionally, that academics are important, uh, but social and emotional skills is not something that you learn and that is a completely separate track from learning academics. They go hand in hand. So the kids that learn and are equipped with social and emotional learning skills, time and time again, study after study, show that they do better in academics. And I think that it's it's not really rocket science, you know. You don't really even have to read the studies for it to be intuitive to you. It makes sense if you think about your own lives, you know, our own lives as as parents or just as people. When you're under stress, let's say that you have a fight with your spouse and you go to work, it's hard to work, you know, because you're thinking about the fight that you had. If you're a child and you're just starting to navigate this world and challenges in your life, if you have a if you're carrying a lot with you emotionally, imagine how difficult it is to concentrate in school. Right, and you were talking about going home, back to a home, Doctor Stem, that may not yeah. be so peaceful, right? Yes, and so yes. It, yeah. So the thing is that social and emotional learning skills it doesn't take away your stress or teach you how to sidestep all the challenges in your life. Yeah. It just teaches you how to deal with it. It teaches you some coping skills, and you also learn again, like we said, happiness skills. And I think that's the reason that, again, when you learn these SEL skills, the social and emotional learning skills, you do better in school. You know, it's it's almost like um, you mentioned that you you are from you know um, Indian immigrant parents because I'm from uh, Zimbabwe, which is African, um, you know, um, background. Well, I had to write the TOEFL exam in order for me to come here to attend university. It's almost like after talking to you right now that we should have and we probably need to have a section where they test us about our resiliency levels on how we cope with problems. And I think it should also be a test that is required when kids are moving from kindergarten to, you know, um, the next level middle schools, from middle schools to high school, elementary school, that they need to be able to write that test and and have, you know, the teachers, the parents, as well as the counselors see what level of resiliency they are at. I think that will be an excellent, excellent prevention mode. Well, if you, I'm, I'm only laughing because if you've seen my programs, you know that there's a lot of humor in there. And I'm just thinking of a child who's taking a resilience test and saying to their parents, I'm very stressed out because I'm very anxious because I have my resilience test tomorrow. You know, so, uh, add add another layer of testing on. But I know, I know exactly where you're going, the direction that you're going in. And I absolutely agree. It is as essential and a lot of times emotional IQ is more predictive of success in pretty much every domain of life uh, than, than, you know, taking a standardized test. 
I, I think it would just yeah. be added onto the multiple numerous tests that you know the kids have to take into and put a section on that because that is one critical you know um, thing that they need to learn and I've noticed that when I'm talking to the kids the the simple things about just letting go of some of the situations that they you know that they run into when they're in high school and I said you know it, it's it's not even worth it to pursue fighting with this person or to pursue you know um, getting angry over this situation because of how minute it is they don't see that and they don't have the even the skill to see and understand what you're talking about yeah absolutely or nor do they know that it is a skill you know that can be learned i think awareness of that fact really actually is the beginning and the first step in sort of um alleviating a lot of the stress that listen there's a way there's a path there's a way to feel better there's a way to feel good in fact more than survive you can thrive uh, so I think it's super important. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Talking about the causes of what causes, uh, you know, the depression and, you know, anxiety or worry in, in children or adolescents, I know we mentioned a little bit about, you know, people now going through divorce that it has skyrocketed. Could you talk a little bit about how divorces have impacted or might impact the children? Yeah, so divorce can absolutely be a trigger for anxiety um, for a lot of children. You know, and anxiety is really fear or excessive worry. So and to the point where the worry becomes disabling, you know, and so it interferes with school, with friendship, with social activities. Uh, and, you know, divorce is a traumatic event. Yes. Uh, it's like any traumatic event. And it needs to be dealt with head on. So I know, um, you know, having dealt with kids who um, are the parents are divorced uh, and they come in, you know, and they come in for coaching and there's a lot of stuff that comes out about the divorce and how it's affected their lives. And, you know, when I talk to the parents, a lot of times the parents say, well, I thought he or she was fine. I thought they were coping with it, um, you know, fine. And so I think it's super important that it is brought out head-on. Um, again, I'm a preventionist, and yes. so I think it's yes. important to kind of prevent what could um, be a downward spiral, you know, and it could be such a gradual progression that it's difficult for people to see when they see someone every single day. Um, and so, you know, to, there's a very long-winded answer, but basically anxiety is, is a, uh, an effect of divorce, and it's a big effect. So what you're talking about as well, you know, um, is, as you were saying, sometimes people still have to go through premarital counseling. And now we're saying even pre-divorce that you could actually start having to talk to someone so that your children can learn how to cope with it by the time that it happens or after the divorce. Absolutely. I think that these coping skills, um, they bleed, you know, across. They, uh, they can be used in many domains. So yes. that's sort of the beauty of learning them, um, is learning resilience skills is that you can use them when it comes to many different situations. And absolutely, it should be something that is sort of proactively uh, brought in in a situation where parents are getting divorced. And in addition to that, um, I have a lot of following that um nationals of other countries that are non-U.S. nationals, that, so they are foreigners in this country. So one of the things that I think we don't talk about is the depression that could be caused by change 
by uh, by them moving to another country and the children having to attend new schools, having to leave their safe environment or the environment that they have known um, about for a long time, that also could cause some major problems, whether it's anxiety or, you know, depression for the parents. So I think, you know, we need to emphasize that as well, that their parents need to make sure that they pay attention and are aware of that. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point and a really small anecdote there. Um, there was a town in, in Pennsylvania, Rosetto, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and uh, they did a study on this town in the 50s because they had a very low rate of heart disease when heart mm-hmm. disease was spiking. Um, they had a very low rate of depression, of suicide, of alcoholism. Basically, everyone there lived long, happy lives. Mm-hmm. So they were really you know, confused, like, how is it that all these people live these long, happy lives? Well, it turns out that they were Italian immigrants that had all come over and were socially connected and supporting one another, and they lived in this town where they supported one another. And after lots and lots of studies and going through it over and over again, you know, trying to figure out how is it that these people are, like, superhuman, they realized that the main factor that was driving their well-being was social support. And so mm. I think that it's super important when you're relocating, whether it be domestically or internationally, that you be, you are very proactive in creating a community. You know, and it's hard. You know, as I said, my parents are immigrants. I know yes. that it was hard for them because you're in another culture, right? Who do I reach out to? The food is different. The language is different, et cetera. But, um, you know, to address that part of your audience that is international and who may go through something like that, I think that social support is extremely important. You have it where you are, you know, and you need it where you go to. That's interesting because I'm thinking now, when I came 26 years ago, I remember my mother, what she emphasized was, as soon as you get there, get to the nearest church because the the church people will be able to welcome you, embrace you, and help you to adjust once you get there because I didn't have anybody that I knew when I came to this country. See, what good advice. Did you make friends at church? Yes, I did. Um, I, made, I, I did. They were very welcoming. And, you know, me being this little kid from Zimbabwe, from Africa, I had a big afro and I was very quiet. I was very scared and nervous. But I Aww. knew that in that congregation, they didn't care where you came from. So they embraced me. And now that you say that, I just remember that they, they did. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely the beauty of the Internet now is that you can go to meetup.com and find, I was. find other people to meet with. I know this is this predates that, correct? But, but, yeah. but, then, but then, you know what, that's great because I was just about to say, you know, you know what, you don't have to wait you know, on an advice like the one that I got 26 years ago because you can go on the Internet right you know, now. On LinkedIn, you can find your friend among the 5,000 who are in the country that you're going to, or you can go to Facebook or, you know, if you're like me, I'm a member of a lot of professional organizations, you know, the National Speakers Association, Toastmasters, you can always find those people in the countries that you go to and they'll be able to embrace you and be your social support. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so incredibly important to have that social support. And even if you, you know, tend to be a, a little bit of an introvert, it doesn't matter because you'll always find someone that you have commonality with and that you can connect with on some sort of level. 
Um, I know I live in New York City. I came here seven years ago. I didn't yeah. know anyone. And, uh, you know, the benefit of a city like this is the city can actually be your friend. Yes. Um, but, but even though there are so many people here concentrated in such a small space, a lot mm. of times it can feel lonely. And you have to go out and make a proactive effort absolutely to, you know, make connections. I mean, that's... Yeah, right. We seek it very deeply as humans. We seek connection, you know, and, and that that fuels us. It really does. And it fuels kids, too. You're, you're very right. I was watching um, a, a mini video last week, I think, on TED Talk, and it was a t- retired teacher that was talking to teachers. It was a teacher conference, and she was talking about how important that human connection is when you're teaching, because kids do not learn from someone that they don't like. That's and right. <laughs> I think that's the same, that's the same message to the parents as well. If your child does not like you or you don't like your child, trust me, you're going to have a lot of problems and, re- you know, resistance from that child because they don't like you and you don't like them. Same with the teachers. So I thought that was an interesting point to connect with what you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. It's like those little receptors on your head go down. You're like, I am not listening to you anymore. Tuning you out. Tuning you out at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be, you know, you have to like one another. You absolutely, absolutely do. Um, and I think for kids, you know, for some kids, it's, it's not as easy to sort of navigate that, um, yes. in the world of, in the social world, in the world of friendships. And, and we know as adults, for a lot of adults, it's not as easy, but, Imagine a child, you know, having to go out for the first time and make friends. Um, that can cause a lot of anxiety uh, or, or just sort of figuring out where they are and where they fit in in the social structure in a school. Uh, that can be really difficult. And so, you know, there are a lot of different things uh, that we can teach our kids. And again, I come back to resilience and happiness skills because uh, I, I think that that can, it applies to so many different aspects and facets of your life. And that takes us, uh, we're going to go to for a quick break, and when we come back for our last segment, it takes us to those solutions that only Renee has come up with. That is one of its kind online animation programs for youth addressing suicide, depression, and anxiety related to mental health illness. I like that because then this is quite an innovation. It's something different given that our children these days, they're all on the computer. Technology is high up on the scale of how they learn quickly and can change their behaviors if something is coming in technologically. So when we come back, Renee will talk to us about some of the programs that she has invented and created. We will be right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
Solutions for the 99% is a weekly talk show focused on helping you develop and execute a game plan to build wealth. Your host, Paula Joy, who built a $50 million-plus company in less than five years, believes it's impossible to be poor in America, and he'll show you why with his innovative strategies. Joining Paul as co-host is radio personality Kim Reed, an experienced entrepreneur and corporate leader who's known as the Corporatepreneur. The show is upbeat, fun, and informative. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmolatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. As they say, prevention is better than cure. We do have Renee Jane in the house today, and she is talking to us about prevention, and that is prevention of depression. We touched a little bit about anxiety and worry, and I think what I'll do is schedule another segment with Renee that she can come in and talk to us about that. Stigma is one of the things that prevents parents, teenagers, or anybody that might be struggling with depression that might have history of having depression in the, in the family or that might face, you know, situations, environment that might cause them to be depressed. That stigma of people saying, oh, my God, she's got depression, he's got depression, and I don't want people to know is one of the things that is um, that might prevent them from seeking treatment or even using some of the innovations that Renee has come up with. What she's saying today is the era of reacting to that is gone. The time is now for prevention and the time for prevention it has come. So, Rene, going back to you, what are some of the practical tips that you might have to offer to the parents and the audience that is listening out there today? You know, a few things. So, tweens and teens, mm-hmm. they really like to know that there is something that they can do to alleviate a lot of the stress that they go through, that it's not just something that they have to go through. And one of the things that they love is they love learning about how the brain works, Um, be it because it's a scientific age or because somehow when you talk about the brain, it makes it really credible and, you know, it validates everything to them. So, but they they love knowing about the brain. So, uh, you know, a lot of kids um, have some negative thinking patterns, so something bad happens, and if they might not be the most resilient child, I was definitely not a resilient child, those negative thoughts can play in your head over and over and over again. Um, And one little tip that we like to teach to kids is that if you are really focused on the negative, Mm -hmm. that you're actually a very well-designed human. Because over millions of years, the brain has evolved to be keenly aware of danger in one's environment. And Mm -hmm. in fact, humans, you know, weigh negative events three times more than positive events. And that is called the negativity bias. 
So kids yeah. love hearing things like that. They're like, oh, yes. our brain was, yeah, you know what? Why are we, why do we do that? Why do we have this negativity bias? Well, yeah. if you think about it, you know, when a caveman went out and he had to go hunting for food, the caveman that was aware of the saber-toothed cat hiding in the bush, he survived. Yes. He was very aware of the negative in his environment. So don't feel bad if you are having negative thoughts over and over again. But know this, scientifically, if you have, you know, three positive events can overturn or topple a negative one. So how mm. about we find ways to infuse some good things into your life? Yes. You know, so little tips like that, teaching your kids a little bit about the brain and a lot of this stuff, you know, you can find online. Um, we, we have it in our programs and we have a lot of stuff on our websites, but you can find this stuff online. And so that, that's one tip I have for parents. Yes. And I know you do have uh, programs that you have as well. I, I know I read about the Gozen when I was going through your website in preparation for this. Could you explain that program as well? Sure. So Gozen is a program that teaches children skills to fight excessive worry, so what we generally call anxiety. And it really teaches them how to increase their resilience and to be happier. And we do it via animation. So what we do is what you would normally learn in sort of a cognitive and behavioral therapy setting, we do it in animation. It takes away the stigma, and you know what else it does, Dr. Stem? It engages, <laughs> it engages the kids. They love it oh, wow. because we don't have to force feed them, you know, research and studies and do this exercise. So they watch animations, and a lot of kids very much relate to the characters in the program. And they say, oh, you know, I understand that. Like, that's like me. You know, that child in the, in the cartoon or the animation is like me. Another thing that animation does is it takes an abstract idea. We talk a lot about thoughts, you know, um, in, in coaching sessions and in therapy sessions about evaluating your thoughts and being aware of them. Well, that can be abstract to a child, you know, even to a teenager. Like, what do you mean? So what we do in the programs is we um, give them tools, you know, and super-powered tools. Kids love fantasy. So we'll give them a magic net. And we'll say, listen, with this net, you can catch the thought bubble above your head. And so we're really teaching them concrete tools. And we think it's kind of a first-of-its-kind learning or therapy tool. Um, you know, and what we're doing now with our online programs is we're creating uh, some uh, programs that are going to be published on the Kindle. And we'd love to eventually, you know, partner with an electronic or digital learning distributor like Kindle or Apple, but really to deliver these skills to kids and parents. Um, and in a, So we do it in schools, and then in a home environment, we're really trying to create a different kind of bedtime story. So, you know, you're going to read your kids' bedtime stories or you're going to read to your kids, maybe not at bedtime, but we're really trying to create a different kind of bedtime story that arms kids with skills. So this sounds like it's a program that will work really, really well with any kids prior to getting to high school. Middle school might be able to embrace it. But do you see the um, teenagers embracing goes in and working on goes in? Or do you have <laughs> we, one for teenagers? So, yeah, so interestingly, uh, I'll tell you, we have a program that's coming out for older kids. Okay. okay. But we do have Gozen and Go Strengths uh, is another program that we have that's just for schools. We actually are teaching it in some high schools. And I'll tell you what, I'll be perfectly honest with you. The older yes. kids in high school, extremely yes. forgiving of the fact that the kids in the program are a little bit younger than them. 
Because as you know, all of the skills are the same. It's the same skills that we would teach to an adult. You know, it's just the language is made for the sort of middle schoolers. Um, the kids who are freshmen, and they're like, okay, I'm a little bit older than this kid, not as forgiving. They're a li- <laughs> they can sometimes be a little bit too cool for school. Um, but, but yeah, so we're working on a, a new program that's just for, just for high school. Excellent. Now, is this um, program also available to parents? Because then, as I'm thinking of some of the parents that I work with, the first thing that they're thinking of is, oh, I have to have a computer and I have to learn computer skills. Is it available to parents and do they have to have a computer? Okay, so great question. Um, so all the programs have a, a parent version, and they so they are absolutely avail- available to parents. We are launching a Kindle book um, this summer, and so again, you know, we want that to be used by parents who say, "Listen, I don't really, I can't, you know, be online. Can I buy it as a book?" Um, and so we're going to have this book, and really, again, it's it's really going to be a different kind of bedtime story for them. So they're going to be able to have this book um, and read it to their kids and and teach them the skills in that way. Yeah, so online and offline. Excellent. You know what? I didn't even look at the time. This is what happens when you have good information coming out and being shared. So, Rini, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Before we close out, I want you again to give the people your contact information, your website, the name of those two programs that they can get in touch with you. Sure, I'd love to. So you can reach me at Rene Jane, R-E-N-E-E-J-A-I-N.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. And the programs are GoZen.com and GoStrengths.com. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing as well as the research. I can only imagine how tedious it was to, you know, compile and put them together. But you know what? The joy is in finding out and seeing what a difference they are going to make in those children, the parents, the teachers or the teenagers that will be using this program. So thank you for that work. You're very welcome. Labor of love, always. Yes, yes, yes. And before we go, I, I just want to quote one quote that I found very interesting and, um, you know, resonated with what we've talked about today and what the Dr. Stem Show is about. It's on Renee's website. She says, the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. And this is a quote by William James. Again, thank you so much for joining us on the Dr. Stem Show. Join us again next week, Tuesday at the same time, 4 p.m. to 5 Eastern Standard Time, 9 to 10 GMT. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Stem Show. Please join us next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 9 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another enlightening show. Have a terrific week.